right now, God, for all you can do in this service, Lord. I thank you right now, God, that you would just use your servant, God, for your glory, O oh Lord. God, I move myself aside right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me, O oh God. Fill this temple with your glory, God, that we would fill the, the word of the Lord, pierce our hearts. God, we thank you right now. Use us for your glory, for your honor, for, your, for all your praise, God. I thank you, God. That someone who walk out of here changed, God, because of what is said this morning, God. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' in the mighty name, we say amen. Amen. Uh, today, we'll be walking through a pretty well-known text. It's uh, Daniel chapter 6, and it's Daniel's miraculous deliverance from the lion's den. Now, uh, I'm sure most of you, uh, by show of hands, have heard this story before. Yeah, okay, I'm in trouble. <laughs> that means I'm going to either get it real right or real wrong. Uh, but yes, this is a, a situation where Daniel finds himself in something that looks impossible. When things appear to be hopeless and when death seemed to be certain for Daniel, but God steps in and sends an angel to the prophet and saves his life. But you see, here we are 2,500 years later. And as children of God, we're still fighting our way out of the lion's den. Still needing God's protection. The enemy is still roaming to and fro like a lion, seeking who can devour. When we leave the house in the morning, he's waiting for us outside the door. Sometimes we don't even get outside the front door before he attacks us. When we get to work, he's waiting there. When we get to school, he's in our classrooms. You see, he's no respecter of person. He doesn't care about economic status, gender, race, creed, age. There are no barriers for his appetite. And he uses whatever devices he can to try and consume us. Whether it be lust, pride, greed, jealousy, envy, these are but a few tools that he uses against the saints of God. But children of the Most High God, we are not without hope. For I know God who is able, able to deliver us from the jaws of the lion. A God who is able, the living God, the same God that protected Daniel. But let us not be naive about our situation today. We still have to be aware that this world has become less tolerant of the saints of God, and more tolerant of those things not of God, more accepting of immorality and less accepting of God's morality. To the world, we are becoming the prey because of who we belong to. Today's message is survival in the lion's den. So before we get into the text, who is this prophet Daniel? Daniel was now between 70 and 80 years old, a Hebrew, a Jew, an exile from Judah, living in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. He had been taken to Babylon in his youth, and he and others were selected by the king to be indoctrinated by Babylon culture. He even, in the previous chapters, was able to interpret dreams for the king Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. And because he was able to interpret those dreams, whether they were good or bad, the kings began to elevate him because the dreams were so accurate. The dreams were prophesying, even though they were bad news for the kings about 
the fall of their kingdoms and the kingdom to come that would reign forever. Daniel was an honest man, a man with integrity and high character, unafraid to tell the truth. So Daniel was favored by God as well as the kings he served. He was a man that could be trusted. So let us look at verse 1 through 3. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over, the three, over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one. to whom the satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Again, Daniel here is found with favor with the king. The king is now considering making Daniel his top official ruler over the other two. Why? Because he had an excellent spirit in him. Those that conquered his home, he now serves with a spirit of excellence. Excellence that was not only outward, but inside of him. Daniel, in his love for God, lived with a purpose. That purpose was doing everything with a spirit of excellence. He knew that he was God's ambassador in that foreign land. He was a stranger in this land taken away from his home, but he served in a noble way, in a high quality way, in a way above reproach, in a way beyond expectations, serving those who probably didn't deserve to be served well, serving them with a spirit of excellence. We too are strangers in a foreign land. Can we serve our enemy with the spirit of excellence? Are we willing to give our best to those who may think less of us, those who might even mistreat us, or will we allow our hearts to harden and not continue to reflect the love of Christ in us? When someone pricks your spirit at work, do we retaliate or do we restore? You see, saints, the world is watching and waiting for us to revert back to our old ways. The world is waiting for us to revert back to our BC days. Jesus, the Son of the living God, was sent by the Father to an undeserving world because of his love for us. God sent us his best, a lamb without spot or blemish, when we didn't even deserve it. You see, Jesus has deposited in us, those who are the believers in Christ, a spirit of excellence. Just as God gave Daniel a spirit of excellence, we are now representatives of Christ in a world that is increasingly brazen and dislike for the God's truth. The question is, will we shy away from serving the world with excellence because they can't accept us anymore? You see, it's the excellence in which we serve that distinguishes us from everyone else. Colossians 3.23 says this, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So in our workplace, in our classroom, in our homes, in our communities, in our church, let there be a spirit of excellence that flows from our very soul. Looking at verse 4 through 9. 
Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error of fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground or complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in the connection with the law. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are all are, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whosoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into a lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be wrote. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Haters. Haters. That's the only word I can think of. They could find no complaint, no fault with Daniel. 50 years of service to the leadership and not one error. Why? Because Daniel was faithful, faithful to the work that God has put in his hands. How wonderful it would be if we had elected officials that we could look back 50 years over the record and say there's not spot or blemish. How wonderful it would be if we could find elected officials that could live by the same standard that Daniel had. Notice how these other officials used deceit when they were petitioning the king. They went so far as to lie to him about who was involved. They said in verse 7, all the leaders, well, all the leaders weren't there. Daniel wasn't there. Daniel would not have signed up to have him and the rest of the Jews in exile go through that death sentence. The officials appealed to king's vanity. Oh, king, live forever. Don't you want to be God just for 30 days? Have all your subjects petition you and you alone? You see, because they found no fault in Daniel's work or his character, knowing how devoted he was to the God of his fathers, they plotted to use God's law against him. You see, when we serve the world with excellence and we, be, and we begin to be elevated because excellence is such a rare quality today, everybody is not going to be happy. Everybody is not going to be happy that we're blessed by God. People will begin to criticize you for even wanting to be excellent. Why are you working so hard at work? You're making us look bad. Why are you pushing so hard? Relax. God didn't call us to relax. He called us to excellence. We want to believe that if we're doing what God has commanded us to do, living as he instructed us with an excellent spirit, we would say, why should we experience persecution? Why are we being tormented and treated unfairly? Is there anybody here that understands unjust treatment? Is there anybody here that has been treated unfairly? Then you know what I'm talking about. Clearly all of us has been persecuted in some way, shape, or form for unjust reasons. Why does the enemy pursue us so hard? Because he doesn't want God to get any glory from our lives. He only wants us to be taken down and not built up. 
He doesn't want the world to see that obedience to the living God is a worthy pursuit. Jesus was without sin, doing only what his father commanded him to do, healing the sick, loving the unlovable, feeding the hungry, and doing the righteous things in the eyes of his father. Yet the Pharisees were so afraid that the people would start following Christ, so afraid that they would lose their power over the people, so afraid that the money that they had coming in would stop flowing. So they plotted to kill him. If they plotted to kill Jesus and conspired to kill Jesus, why would we expect anything less? Matthew 16, 24 says this, Then Jesus told the disciples, If anyone come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. It sounds like a hard road. But Jesus also said in Matthew 10, Blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is truly the kingdom of heaven. You see, saints is God. We may be pressed on all sides, but we are not forsaken. The other thing the high officials made sure of was that the king agreed that the law, new law could not be revoked. To the Medes and the Persians, the king was like a god. To receive, to, re to reverse a law would mean that a god had made a mistake. Heaven forbid the leaders would actually acknowledge that they made a mistake. The officials also had the document ready to be signed by Darius, just so he wouldn't have time to really think about what he was doing. Darius, no other God, can be petitioned but you for the next 30 days without penalty. When Daniel knew looking at verse 10 through 13. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to the house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God. And as he'd done previously, <clears throat> as he had done previously, then these main men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before God. And then they came near and said before the king, concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone makes a petition to any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den? The king answered and said, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is the exiles from Judah? Daniel, who is one of the exiles for Judah, pays attention to you, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. So what was Daniel's response to the new law? One that probably meant his death. He said, I'm going home to pray. Not any differently than I've always done three times a day in my upper room, on my knees, facing the temple of God in my true home in Jerusalem. There was no public outcry, no hiding in the basement, but just as he's always done for his whole life in exile. He said, they know where to find me. I'll be seeking the face of my God, giving thanks for how he has blessed me. This was Daniel's normal routine every day, not only when calamity was at his door, not only when he got a bad report, but you know he was part of his life. 
three times every day. Today, if it was a decree that said 30 days without prayer to God, many of us would look for a way out. Would we really, would we really willing to die? Or would we compromise? Would we justify? Would we say that, well, God's eternal, and what's 30 days to God? Or maybe I can pray in a less visible way. Maybe I could just pray to myself. All of these actions would be a denial and a display of the trust in the living God who is in control of every circumstance and situation. Can our devotion to God be conditional based on our circumstances? When you're home about to eat with your family and you grab hands and you pray and you bless God for the meal, do we do the same thing when we go out to the restaurant? When we're at work in the lunchroom and you're ready to eat your meal, are you willing to give God glory in that instance? To let people know the God that we serve. Today, when it comes to prayer, the world would say we don't have time to pray. Times are different. Things are harder. There's no space in our schedule to find time to pray. Because things have changed. I would suggest that things have not changed. The enemy is still pursuing us just as hard as he did when he pursued Daniel. But what has changed is our priorities. Sunday is no longer a Sabbath. It is a day to get our shopping done. And I'm just as guilty as everyone else. My priorities need to be put in order. TV has consumed too much of my time. Work has consumed too much of my time. Going out for entertainment is consuming too much of my time. I need to make a change. But better preparation for the day's struggle than to get on your knees in the morning and commune with God. Unless we think we've got things already in order. A quick story. I had an aunt, she's 80, 85 years old, and she used to do recitations of major themes in the Bible. And she used to do one of the creation of the world. And at 85, she would get down on her knees and she would grovel around on the floor as though she was forming a man. And you could hear her praising God as she was doing it. And at some point, as she recited the Genesis, she began to breathe on that form. And eventually she jumped up at 85 years old and began to praise the Lord. And I went to her one day after that recitation, I said, 
Aunt Helen, tell me, how are you able to do that over and over again at 85 years old? How are you able to get down on the floor like that and jump up at 85 years old? How are you able to praise the Lord like that at 85 years old? She said, it happens in the morning. It ain't me, honey. I said, what do you, what do you mean? She said, I, I commune with God every morning. Oh, you, you pray every morning? She said, no, no, I just don't pray. I take communion with God every morning, personally. Some would call that a religious fanatic. Some would call that somebody that's crazy for Jesus. But sometimes that's what it takes to defeat the enemy. That's what it takes to push him out of your house, to be on your knees, giving it all to God, knowing that God could do a new thing there. She's going on to glory now, but she has put a mark on my heart, a conviction that says you need to do it differently. When we are faced with what we believe is insurmountable, when it seems that death is imminent, spiritual, emotional, or physical, what is our first reaction? Do we go into our prayer room and drop to our knees? Or is our first reaction to be filled with anxiety? Paul says in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do we let our enemy dictate our prayer schedule with things that are temporal versus things that are eternal? You see, God is the owner of time. He can make time stand still for you if you truly believe and desire to be in his presence. Joshua 10.13 says this, And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. You see, God controls it all. If we make a commitment to prayer, God will make the time for us. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 to pray without ceasing. Why? Because the enemy doesn't take a day off. Jesus knew the worth of prayer. All throughout his ministry, he made time to spend with his father. And this is what Luke says in 5.16, after Jesus had healed a man full of leprosy, and word was spreading about his healing powers. He said that this is Jesus. He said Jesus would withdraw to desolate, desolate places to pray with his father. And he prayed constantly, consistently for people, with people, and sometimes alone. In the darkest hour before his arrest, when he knew his destiny with the cross was approaching, you found him in prayer, pleading with his father. How else could he have found the strength not to call down the angels to protect them? How else could he have found the strength to not to call down the legions to wipe out his persecutors, but to go forward to the cross? He could not have done that without being in the presence of his father. You see, the council has fulfilled their mission with Daniel. They found Daniel right where they expected him to be, disobeying the law, on his knees, obeying his Father in heaven. 
Looking at verse 14. Excuse me. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Oh, know, O king, that this is a law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lord, that nothing, excuse me, could change concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. Diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. The king now realized the haste in which he had made his decision was going to cost his most excellent servant his life. He labored and struggled all night trying to find a way to deliver Daniel from the penalty of the law. The law, they reminded him, that could not be changed. He was powerless, unable to keep Daniel from the lion's den and certain death. He even fasted and abstained from diversions. But before Daniel was thrown in the den, you see, the king knew about Daniel's God. He had seen Daniel's dedication to him, Daniel's commitment to a life of prayer to the living God. And King Darius spoke these words before Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And then the stone was brought and laid in the mouth of the tomb. Darius would not claim God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for his own, but he knew enough to know that the God of Daniel was able. Look at that verse 19 through 24. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God, send his angels and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I, have, I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in God. And the king commanded in those men, had who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the lion's den. They, their children, and their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them. Daniel, the servant of the living God, has your God, who you continually serve, delivered you from the lions. And Daniel says, my God has sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth, and I was not harmed. The living God stepped in because Daniel was a good and faithful servant that trusted in him and him alone. 
taken out of the den with no harm. He had no malice in his heart towards the king. He held fast to his identity as one of the excellent spirits in him. So when we find ourselves with no way of escape, as we are being unjustly cast into the pit, and when the den has been sealed, and when you can smell the breath of the lions around you, remember that we are children of the great Redeemer. Remember that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember that the angel of the Lord is your protector. Remember that we are the children of a deliverer. You see, he did it for Daniel, so he'll do it for us too. He did it for Daniel and his friends when he delivered them from the fiery furnace. He did it for the Israelites when he brought them out of Egypt and parted the Red Sea. You see, he did it for Joseph when Joseph was thrown into slavery by his brothers. King Darius couldn't save Daniel from the law or the penalty of death. Oh, but there is one who paid the price for us. One that freed us from the penalty of death. One that freed us from the consequences of the law. One that became sufficient sacrifice, the Lamb of God. His name is Jesus. And God stepped in. And he did it for Jesus too. Who was crucified on a cross, dead and buried, and borrowed, buried in a borrowed tomb, sealed with a stone in front, just like Daniel. But on that third day, he got up from the grave. He defeated the death and rose up in victory with all power in his hands. You see, the one who roams the earth like a lion, seeking who he can devour, was no match for the lion of Judah. So we can talk with confidence that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that we know that God will make our enemies our footstools, that we know that we can all do all things through Christ that strengthens us. You see, we can walk with confidence that our God is in control of every circumstance and situation, knowing that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. What good has come out of Daniel's situation? And looking at the final verse, verse 25. And excuse me because I shuffled my deck here. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but the enemy is a liar. And you know what I'm going to do? <clears throat> Second. That doesn't work, right? No. <laughs> then King Darius wrote to all the people and the nations and all the languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied in you. I make a decree that in all my, all my, hmm, excuse me, royal dominion, people are to be trembled and feared and believe the God of Daniel, for he is a living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom, kingdom should never depart. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, and he has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. All things truly do work together for good for those that love the Lord. In the end, God was glorified. 
a decree was issued that all should fear the God of Daniel, the God who is a deliverer, a rescuer, who works signs and wonders, and Daniel prospered. Sense of God, we can survive in the lion's den. Walk with purpose of devotion to God and with the spirit of excellence. We can expect to be persecuted because the lion that's roaming doesn't know he's been defeated already. But we must be in constant prayer at all times. When we're prosperous and when we're going through calamity. But know that we have a protector in the Lion of Judah, the one who got up from the grave, the one that gave his life for sinners like you and I, so that we too can have eternal life. We are survivors, and we can survive the attacks of the lions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Amen. The bad can come up. Maybe there's someone here that hasn't accepted Christ as their Savior. Maybe there's someone here that really doesn't know about this protector, this deliverer, this rescuer that we have. Is not familiar with the love of Christ. Maybe somebody here is just going through something and they just need to submit to Christ right now. You don't have to fight it out in the den by yourself. It's a war, a spiritual war. And you need spiritual weapons. And one of those weapons is prayer. Let us bow our heads. God, if there's one today, God, that doesn't know you, I just ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would just Speak to their hearts today, God. Maybe they've been coming to Riverside for a long time but hasn't said yes to you yet, Jesus. You know their hearts, God. You know everything that's going on in their life right now, God. I just ask you to just let your Holy Spirit speak to them, God. Move right now, God. Send your angels forth, God, to gather in your flock. Lord, we praise you right now. If there's one today that would say yes to Jesus, one today that would say, forgive me, Lord. You are my Lord, my Savior. I believe that you rose from the dead. If there's one today that would say yes, let them just raise their hand. Give your heart to Jesus. He wants to protect you. He wants to deliver you from all your trials. And there's nothing that's impossible for him. Is there one? God, I just ask you to have your way in us, O oh Lord. Let us remember, O oh God, that we, God, must walk with a purpose, a purpose of devotion, that we, God, will be persecuted, Lord. Lord, we know, God, that we have to be in prayer all the time, God, so that one day, God, we can praise you as we come out of the lion's den. God, I thank you right now. I ask you to bless your people of Riverside, Lord. 
Watch over them as they leave the sanctuary, O oh God. Watch over and keep them, God. And let them be a light unto this dying world, always trusting in you, Lord Jesus. Let them be ambassadors for you, God. That people would know Christ through them. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name, we say amen. Amen. amen.